Welcome to Covenant's Pulpit Ministry. Covenant Evangelical Free Church believes that the Bible is the Word of God and that God's Word is vital for life-transforming Christianity. We trust that you will grow to know the Word of God and more importantly, the God of the Word as you hear this message today. May God bless you as you open your heart to His Word. Good morning. We are so happy to see you here at Woodland Centre worshipping together and also for those of us who have joined online, wonderful to have you. And we are finally at the last chapter of 1 Samuel. Everybody say yay! And uh, let, let's turn that together. And can we also fist bump to someone or high, air five someone next to you and say we made it, Ken? Can you do that right now? 1 Samuel chapter 31. Beginning at verse 1, there was a young executive who was uh, leaving the office for the night and he noticed that his CEO was standing in front of a shredding machine with a document. So the CEO signaled him over and, and said, do you know how to operate this thing? So the young man thought, oh man, this is my golden chance to impress my CEO. And so he said to the to CEO, Sir, don't worry about it, leave it to me. Took the document, turned on the shredder machine, put the document in, and the CEO was just so impressed how smooth this guy was and said to him, Well done, young man, good job. I just need one copy. <laughs> there are times in life we wish there were certain decisions or actions we can turn back the clock and undo. Be it a career-limiting move that got us stalled, an exam that we wish we studied harder for, a business that wound up because of COVID, a word that we uttered that caused hurt or compromised our integrity, an addiction we keep lapsing back into, a marriage or relationship that has hit the point of no return, or a CG community that has reached the end of the journey together. My friends, in times like this, perhaps we feel that we have failed. We have failed God, or we have failed our family, our staff, and even our spiritual family. And, and we may even piggyback a, a ton of, of guilt or, or shame or disappointment and regret, and we try to plot through life with all these heavy upon us. What hope or comfort is there at such times that we can hold on to? If you feel you're in that space or in that place, welcome to the journey. Sir Winston Churchill, the famous wartime British Prime Minister, failed grade 6, which is P5, P6, and he had to take his math subject for three years in order to pass. Tadashi Yanai, Japan's richest man and founder of Uniqlo, mismanaged the UK stores and had to close 16 of them. Michael Jordan, the NBA star, was cut from his high school basketball team. Walt Disney was fired by his news editor. David Livingston, the legendary missionary, fled from the pulpit of his first church because he forgot what passage he was supposed to preach on. What enables us in those moments of failure, disappointment, regret that transforms them under the hand of God and makes them beautiful? 
when we come to 1 Samuel chapter 31, here is a king, a leader of a nation who has failed big time, mega, and the kind of repercussions, ripple effects down the line is just horrific. Verse 1 now, verse 1, And now the Philistines were fighting against Israel, and the men of Israel fled before the Philistines and fell slain on Mount Gilboa. And the Philistines overtook Saul and his sons, and the Philistines struck down Jonathan and Abinadab and Malkishua, the sons of Saul. The battle pressed hard against Saul, and the archers, those shooting arrows, found him, and he was badly wounded by the archers. Then Saul said to his armor-bearer, Draw your sword and thrust me through with it, lest these uncircumcised, the Philistines, come and thrust me through and mistreat me. But his armor-bearer would not, for he feared greatly. Therefore Saul took his own sword and fell upon it, and when his armor-bearer saw that Saul was dead, he also fell upon his sword and died with him. And thus Saul died and his three sons and his armor-bearer, all his men on the same day together. And when the men of Israel who were on the other side of the valley, probably the Jezreel Valley here, and those beyond the Jordan saw that the men of Israel had fled and that Saul and his sons were dead, they abandoned their cities and fled. And the Philistines came and lived in them. Here was the death of a king because of a failure of his responsibility. God had desired for him to be raised to deliver the people of Israel from the hand of the Philistines, but the reverse happens. He falls under them in battle. And the effect was such that not only he lost his life, his sons died, his men died. Essentially, it was a massacre. The morale of those surviving nosedived and plunged. They fled for their lives, even those beyond the Jordan River on the other side. The compiler or the writer of another book that parallels 1 Samuel in 1 Chronicles gives us a commentary why Saul died. Now, he didn't die because of lack of equipment or that he didn't have enough training to fight off the Philistines or because he was not strong or tall or big size enough. He was one head taller than the rest of the Jewish people. He could stare eye to eye to the Philistines. Why did he die? I'm going to invite us to read this together. First Chronicles chapter 10, verse 13. Ready? Together now. But Saul died for his breach of faith. He broke faith with the Lord in that he did not keep the command of the Lord and also consulted a medium seeking guidance. He did not seek guidance from the Lord. Therefore, the Lord put him to death and turned the kingdom over to David, the son of Jesse. At the heart of that failure was a spiritual declension. Broke faith. It had to do with his relationship with God. And friends, I want to suggest to us that in those moments when we feel as though we have failed God, our family, our staff, our community, whether spiritual or otherwise, here are at least two assurances from 1 Samuel chapter 31 that we can hold on to and take comfort in and God uses to transform those failures and disappointments into something beautiful. Here's the first. That in those moments, God will work through our failures no matter what it takes. 
God will work through our failures no matter what it takes. Someone was not in the battle and he's a key figure in the book of 1 Samuel. His name is David. If we recall the story, he was still back in Philistine territory. He was not allowed to participate in the war. It is as though God was protecting, preserving this man from being involved and allowed for Saul and his sons to die. Now, if David was in the battle with Saul, with Jonathan, as a man of honour who honoured the Lord's anointed, as a man who made a covenant with Jonathan, he would have fought tooth and nail. He would have given the last ounce of his breath, the last drop of his blood to protect the king, to make sure they win the war. But somehow God shielded him from the battle to pave the way for him to become king later, even through such a tragic death. Now, Saul's sons died. One of them is Jonathan. Jonathan made a covenant with David and stepped aside because of his big-heartedness, because of covenant, that David would be the next king. But these two other sons didn't make a covenant with David. And we can never be sure whether they were as big-hearted as Jonathan to let David be king. There was still one more son that was not in the battle, son number four. His name is Ishbosheth. If you follow the story in 2 Samuel, what happens is that Abner, the commander of Saul's army, takes matters into its own hands so that after Saul and his sons die, he takes this son number four and installs him as king. And then there is this internal civil war and conflict that happens. But later on, what happens is that son number four gets murdered as part of the saga. And when he was murdered, again, David was not in the scene. He was not in the picture. Do you see what's happening now? That God allowed such a tragedy, such a horrific death to pave the way for David and prepare him for kingship. So that even though in 1 Samuel 31, God is not mentioned at all, not mentioned, but he is not missing. Reminds me of a, a mother who oh, I couldn't don't know how, to, how else to deal with these two naughty boys. Uh. As a last resort, uh, he called, uh, Lifeline uh, called, called her pastor. said, can you please come over and do something to sort them out? So the pastor came to the house in the living room, stared at the two boys and said, boys, where is God in your life? The two boys were stumped, don't know what to, to say. And, and, and the pastor said again, boys, where is God in your life? The two boys panicked, ran back to the mother and said, mommy, mommy, God is missing, but we didn't do it. God is not mentioned here, but He is not missing. Now, if you trace how 1 Samuel unfolded right at the very start, you recall there was a battle, right? Where, do you remember Eli, the, 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 the priest? Eli and his two sons die on the same day because of the battle of the Philistines. And now 1 Samuel book ends with Saul and his sons dying on the same day because of the battle of the Philistines. You follow? And, and Eli and the death of his sons together paved the way for Samuel to rise as the last judge of Israel and the prophet. Likewise now, the death of Saul and his sons on this one day paved the way later for David to rise as king. God will work through our failures, even ours, no matter what it takes, even if it takes death. You look at the Lord Jesus, it is the same pattern. 
Here was Jesus coming at Christmas that we're celebrating soon and then going to the cross. And on the cross, as he was nailed there, it looked like a total failure in the eyes of the world at least. The Romans defeated him, quote-unquote. His disciples fled. In the eyes of the world, he didn't make the KPIs. But it was exactly through the death of Jesus on that cross where our sins are forgiven, where our salvation is bought. That's the way of God. God in His grace working through our failures no matter what it takes. Earlier this month, there was a new story published about Mr. Benny Sito. He is known as the founder of 18 Chefs, a restaurant chain in Singapore with about 11 outlets island-wide now. But here is his story. He was a former drug addict, and at the age of 17, he started taking drugs and was caught. He was sent to Teen Challenge for rehab where he got to know Jesus. However, from there, he was in and out of prison and in and out of rehab for the next 10 years until a near-death experience. Coming out of prison, he thought he was a hopeless case, wondering who would ever take him. But the head of a Christian halfway house embraced him, took him in, and while he had trouble getting a job at first, later he got into an F&B internship in London, came back and started the food business. And he said it was really bad at the start. He went through depression, almost went back to the drug habit. It was only after that that he started to recoup his losses and the business took an upturn. He became thus a symbol of hope for ex-convicts, and he now opens his heart and hands to his staff who were in the same boat, who have failed him many times. Now listen to this. He had to post bail for some of them. Once a CNB or Central Narcotics Bureau officer turned up at his restaurant, but he said that those who were sincere and turned back always gets another opportunity. Always. In his own words now, I feel very special to be given this opportunity to experience that from someone who is having difficulty to get a job, now I'm providing jobs. If I did not go through these difficult times, I'm unable to help people who are going through these difficult times. Somehow, maybe God wants me to go through every single thing so that I may be a blessing to a lot of people who are going through this. My friends, this is the grace of God working through our failures. And my friends, therefore, the good news is this. No matter how much we feel or how many times we feel we have, we have failed, the good news that under the hand of God, that while our past cannot be reversed, under God's hand, our past can be gloriously redeemed. Can we say amen? This is our God. This is our King. Working through our failures, no matter what. And our part, therefore, is to come before God to say sorry, to repent, to come back to that place of departure and then from there to make right as we receive God's forgiveness, to make right with people perhaps we have hurt, we have affected, to hold ourselves accountable and get someone, trusted brothers or sisters, to journey with us together down that straight and narrow path so that in good time, having received the grace of God, we might do the same to others 
after us. You see, my friends, I really believe as we come to the close of the year, whatever sense of guilt, disappointment, regret, shame, God does not want us to carry it into 2022. Don't. He desires us to walk free. But it does mean that we have to lay it at the foot of the cross and don't take it back anymore. God works through our failures no matter what. Secondly, God will act for His name however long it takes. However long it takes. If we run our finger up to verse 4 now, verse 4, Then Saul said to his armour-bearer, Draw your sword and thrust me through with it, lest these uncircumcised come and thrust me through and mistreat me. Now Saul knows full well that in ancient warfare, when kings or commanders of armies are defeated, what the conquerors would do is the conquerors will make sport of them. SOP or standard operating procedure to, to either shame or humiliate them at the same time to threaten those who want to attract these nations, you better think twice. So you, you catch a glimpse of this in uh, the book of Joshua, for example, when after certain kings were defeated, Joshua and the people basically hung their bodies up on the trees, dead bodies. And then uh, instead of giving them a decent burial, they were thrown at the gate of the city. Or in the book of Judges, when another king was conquered, his big toes and his uh, thumbs were cut off. This is part of ancient warfare happening. And Saul knew that he would be shamed, humiliated as the king. But beyond just he being dishonoured, being shamed, God's name was dishonoured. How do we know? You see, in ancient warfare, they believed that it is not just two commanders, two kings and their armies fighting against one another. It was a battle between the patron gods that they have believed. In this case, between Yahweh, the God of Israel, and Dagon, or the gods of the Philistines. And when therefore the Philistines defeated Saul, notice what happens now. Verse 8. Verse 8, the next day, when the Philistines came to strip the slain, they found Saul and his three sons fallen on Mount Gilboa. So they cut off his head and stripped off his armor and sent messengers throughout the land of the Philistines to carry the good news to where? To the house of their idols and to the people. They put his armor where? In the temple of Ashtaroth. And they fastened his body to Bethshan. Do you see what's happening now? It is their way of saying, ha-ha, it's not just we defeated Saul and the men. Our God defeated the God of Israel. He's a loser. Just as Goliath's head came off when David fought him in that famous battle, Saul's head now comes off. And where does it go? According to 1 Chronicles 10, it goes to a temple, same temple, the temple of Dagon. When the ark was taken in chapter 5, the ark was brought into this temple, the temple of Dagon, to say Dagon has defeated the God of Israel. This is deja vu. Dagon has defeated the God of Israel. Just as Goliath's armor was taken into a tent after David defeated him, chapter 17, here was Saul's armor taken into another temple to say another God has won this God of Israel. Do you see what's happening now? The symbolism behind it. And then Saul's body now, headless, hangs at Bethshan, which is a city where there's an intersection of trade routes, probably high up. 
to tell the world, the nations around, if you want to come against the Philistines, you better think twice because this is how strong our God is. What will God do to honour His name? Now, when the ark was first taken in the early battle, if you remember the story, there was a massive plague, right? That the Philistines panicked, right? And then they said, send the ark back, send the ark back. Dramatic. But this time round, God chose to honour and act for His own name in a fashion less spectacular. When you follow the story now into 2 Samuel, after David becomes king and is installed, 2 Samuel chapter 5, something happens against the Philistines. Chapter 5, verse 17. That when the Philistines heard that David had been anointed king over Israel, all the Philistines went up to search for David. But David heard of it and went down to the stronghold. Now the Philistines have come and spread out in the valley of Raphaim. And David inquired of the Lord, Shall I go up against the Philistines? Will you give them into my hand? And the Lord said to David, Go up, for I will certainly give the Philistines into your hands. And David came to Baal-perazim, and David defeated them there. And he said, The Lord has broken through my enemies before me like a breaking flood. And therefore the name of that place is called Baal-perazim. Notice now verse 21. And the Philistines left their idols there. And David and his men carried them away. After the defeat, the Philistines left their gods behind, recognizing these gods couldn't help them after all. Here was God acting for his own name through something less spectacular installing David, his son, his king. Through him, winning the battle against the Philistines so that just like when David won Goliath, chapter 17, and the, what motivates David is so that the earth may know there is a God in Israel and this God saves. 17 verse 46. Here was David again winning over the Philistines so that the earth may know there is a God, a God in Israel who saves. And here is God acting for His name, however long it takes. And if you follow the story now into the New Testament, another king would rise. Another king's body would be hung up. Not because of his own sins like Saul, but this sinless king will be hung for our sins. And just when the Romans thought we had him, we really had him this time. That was not the end of the story. Three days later, this king rose again to show that death and sin is conquered, risen and ascended to God, the right hand of the Father. And one day when he comes again, every knee shall bow in heaven, on earth, under the earth. Every tongue confess Jesus is Lord to the glory of God the Father. That was God acting for his name in Christ, the redeeming King. Here is our God, my friends. No matter how long it takes, even if it's weeks or months or years or centuries when he sent Jesus, God will act for His name, even through our failures, our lacks, 
our limits. I was converted at the age of 17, which was just a few years ago. And a year later, there was an altar call in my previous church where the pastor felt led to just call young people into full-time vocational ministry. I, I was one of them, and scores of us came forward with tears streaming down our face. And basically, I said, Lord, if this is what you are calling me, I'm answering this call. I, I went back, I shared this with my family, and, and being very nice, concerned parents. You, you know how if, if you hear someone's children want to go full-time, you, you encourage the parents, say, well, this is very good, right? But if it happens to your own child, or whoo-hoo, time out, time out, right? So, so my parents said to me, out of very good intentions, that, you can help your church, but, but don't be so crazy about it. Lah. Okay? Why don't you get a proper job? Okay, and then you help the church as a volunteer. And, and as I processed the call, as part of wanting to honour my parents as well, I, I did do that. And fast forward to eight years later. Okay? Eight years later, I was going for a mission trip. I was packing my luggage. I was casually telling my, my mother that, you know, because it, the weather was quite erratic over there. It's, it's very cold in the morning. I have to wear three layers. Afternoon is hot like crazy. I have to wear teacher in shorts. It's troublesome to pack so many types of clothes. And my mother said to me, if God sent you, you don't complain. <laughs> Fast forward to years later, I had the honour of baptising my stepfather in the pool downstairs. Both my parents came to know Jesus. Yes, you can clap and praise God. Now, I share this not to give the impression, wow, Pastor Edmund is so great. That's not it. You see, years ago, when I had this uh, table talk with the interns in our church, they asked me a very profound question. They said, what's your biggest regret in life? I, I thought for a while and I said, I said I'm, I'm not sure whether this is the biggest regret, but one of my deep regrets is the kind of testimony I had in the home as a Christian growing up to my parents. Growing up, I didn't realize in my immaturity then that the way I spoke to my parents, the tone, the choice of words was, uh-uh. It was only later as I matured in the faith, I looked back and I said, uh-oh. And I felt convicted one Sunday, I requested for an hour uh, uh, as, as a so-called time off, to just meet my parents after church. We sat down together in the restaurant, and over the table, I, I felt convicted to apologize to them for the son I should have been, but I'm not, or I was not. I, I share this because it is the grace of God working through our failures, even ours, and He will act for His name. And I know for Quite, quite a few of us here, we, we really desire our parents to come to know Jesus. You, you have been praying, you have been trying for years, you have been even asking other people to come alongside you, share the gospel, and you wonder, will it happen? I believe the word that came to Pastor K. Kyung, which he shared to keep at it, is the same word for us. When it comes to the salvation of our, our aging parents, our families, keep at it. And I'm believing with you that they will come to faith. Keep at praying for them. Keep at representing Jesus well. Keep, keep at just plodding and trusting and believing God will open their hearts one day and call upon Him. This is also a time in the Christmas season God invites us to act for His name together. 
Now, besides what Pastor Sharon has already mentioned, uh, let me highlight something that's happening here at Woodland Centre itself. We are expecting on Christmas Day for a full house here. 360 migrant brothers are going to come and join us. More want to come and we don't know whether we can accommodate because of all these safe distancing measures. So we have here a golden chance where we can partner together with God by His Holy Spirit to open the hearts of these brothers to the joy of Christmas. Now, we can't overtly share the gospel, obviously, but we can, by our very life, by hosting, befriending them, share the love and the joy of Christmas and God with them. Can't we? And would you therefore consider being one of the befrienders, one of the hosts, because this is a window of time God has blessed us with because of COVID? so that together we can act for His name. Here, my friends, is a God, a redemptive God, who looks at us, who looks at our past, our failures, our mistakes, and He invites us in the midst of that disappointment, that shame, that regret, to come to the foot of the cross, because God will work through our failures no matter what it takes. And He will act for His name however long it takes so that people can see what a redeeming King this is, no matter how many times we have failed and how serious our failures are. Let me close with this final story as I invite us to respond together. A newspaper editor about three years ago published this on Straits Times about interviews that they hold for scholarship applicants. And the title of this article was, Dear Scholarship Applicant, have you ever failed? And what happened was that when these bright-eyed, you know, bushy-tailed 18-year-olds come for the interviews, they were asked, besides, you know, those, because their, their academic record is so flawless, so impeccable, huh? they were asked a question that says, can you tell us about a failure that happened in your life? And, and that question would stump them to silence. They don't exactly know what to say. They didn't see it coming either. And as they kept repeating that question to applicant after applicant, it was the same response. And, and here was, therefore, the observation that this editor made. And I quote, Perhaps it's unsurprising that these top scorers have failure resumes that are thin or blank. In the Singapore system, achievement and failure rarely go hand in hand. The reality is that most people, especially those who are successful, prefer to talk about their hits, never their misses. It would help if more people were able to embrace their failures. It would help if more people were able to embrace their failures. Dear Discipleship Applicant, Have you ever failed? I have. And I've lost count years ago. But these are the kind of people God invites to kingdom work. Because these are the only kinds of people He has. People who may have fallen, but by God's grace, gets up because of grace. People who may have had a past, it may not be as coloured as some of us, 
but a past nonetheless and we feel as though that past has disqualified us but God says come back to the cross where every failure every mistake every sin is laid so that we step into the new year free full testifying to the grace of God that's our invite us to bow together in prayer with our hearts open before Him. And as we do so, I want to just give us a moment before the Lord on your own now. The worship team is going to minister this song in a few moments' time that invites us to come to this throne of grace. But for now, as we come before the throne of a King of mercy, my dear friend, what is God putting into your heart and saying into your spirit today. And therefore, what is your prayer to Him? us to remain seated as the worship team or the music team leads us in this song and let's hear this song now as our prayer as an invitation
My friends, as we bow our hearts and our heads before the Lord in this posture of prayer, I want to make an invitation to two groups of us here who have listened and you know God is speaking to you. The first of, uh, group are those that perhaps like myself, that, that it's a period of time where there is this weight that is piggybacked on you of shame, regret, disappointment. You wish you could turn back the clock, but you can't. But here is a God who says, lay all these at the foot of the cross because these can be covered by the blood of the Lamb. And if that's you, my friend, I'm going to utter a prayer. And I'm going to invite you to join me. And if this is your prayer, I want to invite you later to put your hand up to indicate to me and to the Lord, this is my prayer. And we're going to pray together. And here's how this prayer goes. Lord Jesus, I come as I am with my failures, my disappointments, regrets, my guilt and shame. Thank you that I can run to your throne of mercy once more. By your grace now, I receive your forgiveness. By your grace now, I lay down every burden. I leave them at the foot of the cross. Let every disappointment, every regret, every guilt, every shame be covered by your blood and be no more. Work through, O oh Lord, my failures, even mine. Act for your own name, Jesus. Be lifted high so that others may see the God of all grace the King who redeems. My friend, if that's you, if that was your prayer as it was mine, would you just put up your hand for a moment? I want to acknowledge you. Yes, that's right. You can just keep it up for a moment. Thank you, Lord, for all these whom you see the very desire of our hearts. Thank you that your word says that there is no condemnation for those of us in Christ Jesus. And therefore, I pray for all these, my dear brothers and sisters, your sons and daughters, servants of the Most High God, that every inner script written to incite shame, to incite discouragement, condemnation, be exposed now in Jesus' name. Every inner script founded upon deception let the power of that lie be broken in Jesus' name so that as your children, as your servants, we walk free, full, grateful because of the grace of God upon us. And let our lives therefore tell a story, a story of this redeeming King. We give you thanks, we ask this in Jesus' name. As we continue in this time of prayer, I want to invite those of us who are not Christians yet. I really believe God is speaking to you, even through this message. Because, my friend, when it comes to being right with God, earning our way to heaven, all of us are failures. And yet God provided a way through the cross. 
And for the very first time, if you desire to open your heart to this Jesus, this Christmas season, to receive Him and to follow Him, I'm going to invite you to pray this prayer after me as well. And if you can put up your hand after that as you join me. Lord Jesus, I acknowledge today I have failed to live the life you designed for me. Sin has separated me from you. Thank you that you were hung on that cross to forgive me my sin, to pay my debt. You rose from the grave to show that sin is defeated. And therefore, I now receive you as Lord and Saviour. Lead me, redeem every past, every failure, that I have a story to tell, that Jesus is good, Jesus is great. In your name I pray. If that's you, my friend, for the very first time you've asked Jesus in your life, can I invite you to put up your hand up high as well, right where you are, before we come back together once more and respond to this song. Any one of us here, or even those online, Eternal God, we thank you that every time the Word of God goes forth, it goes forth to fulfil that which you have purpose to accomplish. Therefore, we pray for our friends, especially those who are hearing this and yet to come to know the saving grace of Jesus in your good way and time, no matter how long it takes. Do so, O Lord, that they be redeemed and taste the grace of God. We give you thanks. We ask all this in Jesus' name. My friends, before we respond together with this song in our heart, once more, I, I sense in my spirit for some of us, we do need someone to speak it audibly over us, to pronounce either forgiveness or to pronounce release. Some of us need that. And if that's you, I want to invite you, if you are here, that there's going to be a prayer team at the front. And please do come and join us for a moment as we pray over you and pronounce that over your life. For those of us who are uh, online, there's going to be a QR code that comes up as well. So that if you need prayer for that same and that same desire, do scan that, that code that comes up. Or if you have received Christ for the very first time, do scan that code as well so that we can be in touch with you and journey together. God bless. And let's stand together in this song. So So 
church, wherever you are, I want to invite you to lift up your hands to receive the benediction of God. May the Lord bless you and keep you. May the Lord make His face shine upon you and be gracious to you. May the Lord lift up His countenance upon you and give you peace. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Please be seated. If you feel a stirring in your heart and would like someone to pray for you, do scan the QR code and we will connect with you. Do spend some time to reflect on the questions on the screen. Thank you once again for worshipping with us online. Join us next Sunday. God bless you. Goodbye. We're glad you had spent some time listening to God's Word and we hope that the message has ministered to you. Should you require more assistance, kindly call 6892-6811 or you can visit us at www.cefc.org.sg for more sermon titles. God bless you in your spiritual pilgrimage ahead.